time when the fun begins. You may now have fun. Hi, I was the Tomb Iron Dwarves, and then the Reborn Mummies. Hi, I was the Frightened Shrooms, the Vengeful Liches, and the Adventurous Drow. Hi, I was the Stone Ogres, the Fisher Will-o'-the-Wisps, and the Magic Lizardmen. And welcome to Organised Fun, the board game podcast, where this week we've been playing Small World Underground, which Riley got me for my birthday. Huzzah! There's no business this week, so it falls to one of my lovely guests to read the box. Let me make it so all the tokens aren't just going to spill out. You don't want me to just tip them all over the table? I'd prefer it if you didn't. Fine. Honestly, some people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, there's a lot of tokens here. Small world underground. When in a hole, keep digging. What with all the buried remnants of past generations, space in small world is even tighter underground than above. Your ancestors' hopes for you to carve out an underground empire are in jeopardy. Others have dared to burrow beneath your land, leaving little space left for the living or the dead. Small World Underground is a standalone game set beneath the surface of the same fun, light-hearted small world universe of epic conquests and fallen empires, with more than 100,000 copies sold. Featuring new races and special powers, Small World Underground also introduces monster-occupied regions that protect relics and places of great power. It can be played on its own or combined with other small world game elements and is recommended for experienced small world players. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Two to five players, ages eight plus, and takes 30 to 90 minutes. Thank very much. So yeah, it's basically, it's an area control game, isn't it? You've got the board, which is a map of the underground realm, divided into territories, and we take it in turns to conquer areas on the map with our little armies, our little people. And at the end of each turn, you score a point for each territory that you control. And at the end of 10 rounds, whoever's got the most points is the winner. Simple. Yeah. Yes. Are we having fun yet? The first thing I've noticed is that it has a very good box. It's one of these with an organised tray and the rule book tells you exactly what to put where, which I like very, very much. <laughs> this is this is good. Well done. Yeah, along the lines, Lords of Waterdeep is the only other one that's had a box as good as that. Ooh, yeah. So yeah, already scoring points for the box. Work times fun equals progress. But the first thing you need to do is you need to choose your race and your special power. So they come in these little cards board things that like (laughs) slot together to give you your combination and you start with six face-up ones and you get to choose which one which race and which power combo that you want to buy and each one has like a number so it decides what your starting amount of soldiers will be and a special power did you have a tactic for choosing your races yes so you've got these randomized combinations of adjective and race right and each like and, and as Phil said they fit together They're two little cardboard tokens that like fit together like jigsaw pieces and they both contribute to your power how many of the tokens for that race you get so at the beginning of the game I think I was optimizing for power without having to spend too much to get that if you see what I mean because the ones towards the bottom of the stack are, or well you have six in a row and they get more expensive as they go down so it's kind of like, What's the cheapest thing that will get me the most the most little tokens? At least at the beginning, because I didn't appreciate quite what was going to happen <laughs> yeah. later on. So. I went for trying to maximise what I would get at least out of the first go. So what would mean that I could conquer really easily or what would get me lots of points quite quickly? Because I assumed that we would use the gold for other stuff rather than just buying more races when you go into decline batches, just how much you have at the end. So I went for the Ogres first because it took one less 
person to conquer a space that meant I could spread quite quickly and the stone power if I occupied a particular kind of space I got just an extra coin for existing there so that seemed like a nice easy first win nice I was purely motivated by which was going to get me the most soldiers to put on the map and the iron dwarves luckily came with their silver hammers which basically counted as extra extra power tokens for conquering because they're wielding these big kick-ass hammers and the mummies they got me an army of 15 but they you had to pay more to invade with them because they're a bit shit but you know i had a good go with them but no i was purely motivated by what was going to get me the biggest army i'm gonna go for the two mind dwarves mm. whoa basically i'm gonna be stomping all right royal cracking a no mistake <laughs> okay i'm gonna do the mummies <laughs> damn it that was what i was gonna do the mummies are really good the reborn one it's very good two three i'm going to buy the magic lizard men after that you conquer you conquer different territories and just like most of these area control ones you know you start off in space and you have to spread across the board but whereas with risk for example you, there's lots of dice rolling to determine who wins a combat it's literally just paying tokens to counter each token that's already on there so each space sort of has a base level of two so you always have to pay two tokens to to advance but then for every other token that's on there whether it's a mountain obstacle or whether it's an opponent soldier or whatever you just have to pay an extra token to counteract that so that made it really simple just you've got this amount of tokens in your hand how far can you spread with them and and see what happens yeah makes a very fast pace yeah you're not kind of bogged down in yeah roll and see who wins and it's also a bit more satisfying because you know it's like haha i'm just going to take that territory it's not like oh will i succeed yeah will i fail even though i've got like 10 times as many troops then on the other side of yours they're sitting there going that's oh, gone now isn't it? Yeah, I can do nothing about this. Yes, it's frustrating that you don't get a chance to defend yourself. Although you can redeploy at the end of your turn, you can redistribute your tokens anywhere amongst your territories. So you could build up one chunky ass territory that someone's got to pay 900 tokens to conquer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you you don't get your points for being spread more across the board. You got to balance. Not if you're frightened. Oh, <laughs> more points for being sticking in, together in a little cluster of frightened. Mushrooms. Yes, but because the territories change hands relatively quickly, you know, like you spread in your turn and chances are on the next person's turn they'll spread back and, you know, it was constantly changing hands. There wasn't any of the, again, I keep comparing to Risk because that's the other main territory control like game, but, you know, there's bonuses for controlling all of a continent or whatever. And this one, so the spaces are divided up into different types, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Terrain types. There it is. I've lost the bit of paper that says it, but there's the crystally ones. Mystic crystal region. Mystic crystal region. There's the muddy one. Like it was the mud pools because mud men can resurrect in there. Some mines. Green fungusy one. Mushroom square. Yeah, and so some races or powers or whatever, you know, got bonuses for controlling more of the same type of space or being adjacent to certain spaces or having pairs of spaces. So that gave your tactical element of where to like spread to. We you paying attention to any of that or were you just spreading across the board as much as you could i was because i got bonus for mountains 
Okay. And then when I was being the Will-O-The-Wisps, I could roll the die to potentially get extra troops to go into or out of crystals. So they would be useful to have. Crystals mm. were good for you at one point as well, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. And that was when I was the shroom, so being on the, the kind of green mushroom spaces was also useful. Good use of tactics there, chaps. I was not doing <laughs> any of that. I was just it didn't ploughing on, but I didn't have any races with special territory powers anyway. No, you got hammers for the dwarves, but that's only useful to a point. Yes, because I ended up having more hammers than people to wield them, so just these useless hammers lying about. <laughs> but never mind, such is the, the downfall of the dwarfs. <laughs> Let's do some conquesting. Don't kill us. Please, no. Think of the children. Oh, you bitch. I'm fighting true. I have many hammers. No. Swat hat. <laughs> One in the den, yeah. two to you. Yeah, the frightened little shrooms crying. What I'm trying to work out is if I can get more crystals. Crystals mean prizes. Let's do it, fuck it. Last mushrooms, last stand. <laughs> <laughs> I got conquered by some frightened little mushrooms. Let's get conquering. I want to win. Oh, me too. <laughs> Winning is great. I think we got a white fill off the board. What? Get in the fucking river. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. Four, boot out that mushroom. One, two, three, four, to boot out that mm. mushroom. And then my reborn phoenix powers turn those into mummies, because they're both my dwarfs. You cannot conquer my underdord. The other spaces, so there are five spaces, five territories that are occupied by like monsters, which are just extra tokens that you have to combat. But if you defeat those and conquer that one, then you reveal a special token that might either be a place of interest or it might be an artifact that you find by killing these monsters. And those grant you some extra special little bonuses. So we had, what did we have? Five. We had the sigil thing to summon the Balrog. The wickedest pentacle, was that? Yes. yes. There was the, the ring, the one ring. Oh, yeah. Froggy ring, I think it was called. Yeah, there was the smelly troll sock, yeah. the magic doormat, and the diamond palace thing. Diamond yeah. Yes. So again, just an extra bonus. Once those had been uncovered, quite often it was worth owning that territory to get control of the item that was there. What I mean, we had some good. The Balrog got some good use. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Basically, whoever controls the sigil, the wickedest pentacle, can move the Balrog, and the Balrog just automatically conquers a space doesn't it? Yeah. What else? Tell us about another one. The magic ring was quite good if you were surrounded by other races so you got, if you controlled it you got a point for every race that's not yours on an adjacent square so I think there was a point after we'd all had a couple of races in decline with like three or four around where the ring was so it was quite helpful. Yeah. You love the troll socks. The troll socks. Like, imagine the stinky pair of socks basically allowed you to conquer a space as if it was empty. Um, you know, imagine all the opponents just fleeing in terror <laughs> from the stench of these socks. That was quite good. Oh, and the flying doormat, welcome mat. Mm, you could just expand anywhere, couldn't you? Yeah, so you normally have to expand into an adjacent territory, but the flying carpet thing could take you anywhere. So what did the crystal mines do? That was, if you controlled it, then that biome type, terrain type, you'd score a point for that tile, and then any other of the same ah. territory that you controlled. Oh, so a good sort of multiplier. Yeah. Now, that was good. Did that affect your expansion, going for the treasures? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, that's some of them 
were very powerful. So yeah, it often made sense to try and nab them if you could. Yes, I wasn't first, like you said, I was a fan of the troll sock. I went for the troll sock quite a lot and I was trying to use the flying carpet. But we've seen the Balrog, like for the person who first uncovers it, it's probably not that useful. But for the second person who inherits it, they can mm-hmm. just send the Balrog on mm-hmm. a conquering spree. I suppose it depends on what order you get to it. If you had a blank space next to it or if you were willing to sacrifice a troll, a dwarf for a go, you could then start running your Balrog around the board. Yes, because the Balrog, you don't score any points for the space that the Balrog's in. So even if you put it in one of your own spaces, you'd be sacrificing a point for a turn, wouldn't you? Yeah. But yes. Eat that, monsters. I actually have the ring of <laughs> Froggy's ring. At turn's end, place the ring in one of your regions to collect a bonus coin from each opponent with at least one active race token bordering the ring. I have found a welcome mat. <laughs> nice. The flying door map. Once per turn, use it to conquer any region, not just an adjacent one. Oh, that's powerful. Okay. It's a place of interest. Mm-hmm. That is the wickedest pentacle. At any point during your turn, move the Balrog one region. That region is conquered and its occupant loses two tokens. The region is immune and does not score for anyone. Balrog can move and stay in the river. What is the Balrog? What is the Balrog? <laughs> the Balrog of Mark. I think it's this. That looks a bit like a Balrog, doesn't it? It, I mean, it looks very much like the one from The Lord of the Rings. I'm going to use my flying doormat to just establish a presence over the river. You can F right off. Diamond Fields. At turn's end, collect one bonus coin for that region and any other region of yours of same terrain type. Yes! If you have more crystals, you get more diamonds. Yes! Looks like some old socks. It's stinky troll socks. Oh, brilliant. I said that right into the microphone. (laughs) Once per turn, use it to conquer one region as if it was empty. Your opponent loses no token, though, redeploying them all at turn's end. So you're just scaring everyone off with your big smelly socks. Interesting. <laughs> Have you forgotten about your Balrog, by the way? Yes, but he can only move to an adjacent space. True. So there's no point. I mean, I suppose I could move him through my territory. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Okay. Balrog is mine, and I'm going to move it into there. <laughs> Conquered. And I get a magic bag that can duplicate the power of any relic. I'm going to use my magic bag to replicate the power of the welcome doormat. So the only other thing is this idea of going into decline. So you start off with one race, obviously, but you only have a limited amount of soldiers. And as you spread across the board, you have to leave one soldier in each territory. But if you get invaded, one of those soldiers like is killed permanently and goes back to the box. So each turn you get less and less soldiers to do stuff with. And when you get to a point where you literally cannot expand anymore because all your territories are spread so thin, you flip your race over and that race goes into decline they you know give up the ghost and just sort of retire and you leave you flip them all over on the board and they stay there and you next turn you buy a new race to start conquering again but you can still score points for your in decline soldiers on the board they just can't fight or move or anything so again that was another sort of tactical element when did you decide because we all went into decline in the like all together didn't we yeah in the same round the first mm-hmm. time yeah but yeah. then you two went into decline a second time i guess it's like you know formula one racing you know that, that we're all avid fans oh, of yeah. but there's that you know you choose when to take your pit stop when to sacrifice yeah, you know because yeah, going into decline basically is a sacrifice of a turn isn't it you just flip mm. all your over and that's that's pretty much it not having played small world is it is the the decline mechanic part of that game i also have not played small world <laughs> and you haven't looked at you don't know no ah. 
I mean, th- this this mechanic makes this game, like, makes it great, I reckon. Yeah. Because it's so refreshing to just change the race you're playing with partway through. Yes. I don't know, just, like, just, it's just it's fun because nice they're randomised. It is, but the, is the frustrating deciding to sac- at what point you're going to sacrifice a go and potentially get a load of stuff wiped off the board? Because you've just got one left in each space at that point. But you, but because it's designed for that to happen. It does happen to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it, but it can be a very good thing, right? Because, like, it worked out well for you because you, you kind of spread your ogres out quite far and then... You guys just ignored them. You just left yeah, them. <laughs> in, I don't know, not in very hotly contested areas. So they just yeah. stuck around for ages, scored you lots of points for the I rest think, of the game. Yeah, once it had happened, it made sense. But the, the building up to it, the thought of it, I didn't like the idea of it before we'd done. But you're right. It, starting yeah, a new race and having a new team was good. And then it was, again, because of where I'd put my first set, it was quite easy for me to not trample over what I'd already got. So I kept scoring more spaces. Whereas, yeah, the mushrooms and the, the dwarves were in useful places everyone wanted to go through. So they were just getting yeah. kicked out mm. left, right and centre. I mean, I just I just went until I could go no more with my dwarves, until I <laughs> burned out completely. Yeah, and that's what's great about this game, is that it, like, there there comes a point you will eventually just run out yes. of, of people you couldn't... But that, so that, that goes twofold, in a way, because, again, going back to Risk, remember we were talking about how you can just get stuck in that rut of dead turns mm. when you're not getting enough reinforcements and yeah. there's fuck all you can do about it and you're just stuck. This, at least, you know you can just retire your race and, and start, start again. Yeah, but also, right. some of the races or some of the superpowers had actually bonuses for when they went into decline. So, what was it? You could score... Did you score oh, extra points? I score... I Like, I took someone's victory point if they attacked the vengeful liches, or well, just Lich. the liches, when they were in yeah. decline. And the mummies, I could basically reanimate some of my declined previous race and, like, con- you know, bring them to life as a mummy without having to pay the conquering cost. That was a cheap way for me to spread across the board yeah. using the declined previous mm-hmm. race. And that, so when they turned up the reborn mummies, I immediately spotted that they they would be no good as a, someone to start with, but as a second race where you, you are... When you do have declined yeah, things. It's just, yeah, it's cool because you get to play as a new race, new powers, and some of them, yeah, very well suited to following on. Yes. <laughs> but I like the facts, you know, and this will come out in the frag, I suppose, but because the race and the power are separate, next time we play, it won't be the mummies that are reborn. It'll no, be something yeah. else. You yeah, have a completely yeah. different combination, which again leads me always to the same question it's probably possible to get either a really strong race yeah. power combo mm-hmm. or just have a complete duff piece of shit yeah. <laughs> well I realised when I went for the liches I re- I thought they would be good and I kind of went for them because they because they hadn't been bought for a couple rounds there were the costs that other people had paid to buy them mm. or to buy other races had accumulated next to next to the liches so I got some victory points for picking them and I thought they would be good but actually they were, turned out to be a bit crap they, they but didn't. was it the vengeful part that made them crap or the liches that made them crap? <laughs> uh, both I reckon both both halves were not very not very good. Yeah. It's kind of a weak, weak combo <laughs> learnt, learnt the hard way. But it's worth saying there is a good chunk more powers than there are races. So yes. it's not ever um, just one for one. No, and nothing's duplicated as far as I can tell. No. So it's yeah, yeah. something different every time. Yeah, there you go. I think it is time the ogres went into decline. Literally, oh, I'm gonna have to go into decline as well, aren't yeah, I? Because I've literally got. I am well and truly in decline, guys. <laughs> I think the mummies have had their heyday, haven't they? <laughs> I'm gonna go into decline. Oh. Oh. The wisps have also, I think, had their time. That'll be one victory point, please. What? If you attack the liches, they get a victory point, then they're in decline. Let's go, mummies. 
idea. <laughs> have you considered decline for that one? <laughs> no, no. Have you as a race considered dying out? <laughs> Shall we give it some scores? Okay. Pat starts off with fun. I'm gonna go for four. It took me a little bit of time to get into it, I think, but it was really good. I uh, normally I get quite frustrated by these sort of area control type games, just because, I don't know, I'm not the right kind of tactical or something. But this is cool. This, uh, yeah, this idea that you can, you know, it's the races are designed to go into decline eventually, and you can just kind of start anew, building on, you know, building on what you've already done. Great. I also went for a four, probably quite similar reasons. I, I think, like I said earlier, I didn't initially like the idea of decline until we'd actually done it but then it kind of made sense and the rapid changing hands was quite fun and the silly powers were quite good yeah I also went for four just for the same reason it's I think it's you you, you called it refreshing like that idea of having a tactical reset <laughs> that's part of the game it's not you throwing a strap and going oh I don't fucking like this it's part of the game mechanic and it's okay guys yeah. it's okay <laughs> it's okay to bin off your uh, will-o'-the-wisps and become something else <laughs> Moose starts off on replayability Let's see. I'm gonna go with five Ooh. because there's so many possible combinations that's gonna and everyone's gonna pick different things at different times the different combinations that come up I think you'd have to play a lot of times to have anything vaguely resembling the same game each time because the mm -hmm. relics mm -hmm. change each time as well there are different maps there's a, a lot of variation in what's gonna happen you might go in with the same basic strategy but then you'd probably change once you see what powers are available and what powers other people have picked up cool I went for four I mean very similar I'm just stingy. <laughs> like, I think part of it, obviously, I lost by miles. You, right. By now, listener, we're on episode 151. By now, you know I am not very tactical. So a game like this, like, I will just pootle along and whatever happens, happens, you know. But not being strategically minded, that keeps it from the five for me. Because I'm not like, yeah, next time I'm going to try this strategy and whatever. And just be like, next time I'll do exactly the same thing. <laughs> See if it changes. <laughs> I also went for a four. Yeah, I I mean, it has lots of replayability as as discussed. I don't know if I could replay it a lot in quick succession, but generally, you know, yeah, over a longer period, I could definitely play this quite a few times. Yeah, it's great. I'm gonna start us off with the aesthetic. I'm going. He says not picking a card. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll go for four. Obviously, you know, it's very. It's the fantasy artwork. The dwarves are dwarfy. The mummies are mummy -y. You know, it's all your typical stuff. I like the way the two halves sort of slot together. The territories are denoted by these very clear white lines. It's very easy to see what spaces and stuff you're on. I just. So, as much as I loved the organization tray, the tokens are all you know every time it was a new race it was like right well let's find these looking through the thing da, da, da. you know there's a lot of tokens and no matter how well they're sorted that's you know finding them and spotting them even though there's some that are quite very similar colors they have a little sort of thing symbol in the corner but they're still quite fiddly you're picking them up and just yeah that's what kept it from a five for me where are my people what color are they well, I went through for a three. Oh. The art is technically very good. <laughs> technically. <laughs> and, and yeah, like, it's nice in just, yeah, the way the carbon tokens fit together and the trays and all the rest of it. I just, I just don't like the style. Fair enough. Just it's really just not dislike for you. <laughs> the, the, the artwork style. Yeah. But it is technically very good. It's not for me. I also went for a three. Yeah. I'm going to explain. I do quite <laughs> like the style and I think the board itself 
is generally pretty clear, but I have some quibbles with it that I just can't overcome, I'm afraid. The, this locking together, they're not straight, and it's been stressing me out all game trying to realise that they're not straight. Well, the names, yeah, one, they, yeah, they're... No, they don't, like, they line up together, and it's not actually a straight line with some of them, and it's stressing me out. Like, sure, I never think it's supposed to be. But it, it's so close to it that it should, and it's just, <laughs> I can't deal with that, and I am sorry to everybody for that. But also seeing that we found patternised first races, that our tokens were basically the same colour, and there were a couple of times I accidentally counted one of Pat's that was over the side as one of mine. I think there's some of the stuff is too similar and too hard to pick up, like looking at, like just looking down the pile of things, it's hard to tell what some of the pictures are off from over here. Mm. And that's a shame really, because otherwise it's quite pretty, but I cannot get past those quibbles. Fair dues. Pat, we're back to you to start for gameplay. Gameplay. I'm gonna go for a four. It's, yeah, generally quick, except for when I'm taking my go, I think. because <laughs> you think. Yeah, I know, God forbid. It's just well thought out. The mechanics are, are fun. Like, it takes a little bit of time just to work out quite what the different symbols are indicating. And But I think if you played it enough, you, you'd get familiar with what all the, the powers do and you could have endless fun. I spotted on the back of the board that there's a bigger version of the, sorry, on the back of the box there's a bigger version of the board, I guess, if you're playing with more people. Yeah, so there's two, three on the small board yeah. and then four and five on yeah. the big board. Yeah, like, it'd be cool to play it with more people just to see, you know, do you get through more races? Like, do mm. you have, like what happens when you've got lots of races in the I think the you have less turns as well, though. I don't think uh, it's oh, ten is that turns. why it goes around the corner? Okay, this will be fun. But yeah, good, good, well thought out mechanic, good gameplay. I'm also a four. Yeah, it's it did take a few turns to work out how everything worked. Like I couldn't quite get my head around counting how much stuff was and what was in decline. And we did a lot of staring at the rule sheet for, hang on, what does this symbol mean and what does this mean? And I think, like Pat was saying, with a few plays through, you get the hang of it. Like towards the end, we were getting quicker, but it wasn't as straightforward to learn as I thought it might be. I went for a three this time. Again, for the same reason, but I'm just stingy. There was a lot... Right, okay, so all these superpowers and all these races have a special bonus, and you get these sort of crib sheets, which are just a lot... It lists every special power, every race, every relic, every place. Oh, that's a nice rhyme. <laughs> and so every time something... You know, when we were deciding which race to buy, you were looking at the sheet, right, what does this one do? And when it's coupled with that, what does that one do? I just think, and maybe this is an aesthetic thing, but they could have just made these, like a centimetre bigger yeah, and just had it written mm. on the that card. That would be good because they're mm. not, yeah, they only occurred the once. It is good that they've at least got the sheet for it. You're not, like with some yeah. games forever just oh, pouring through the yeah, book yeah, going, yeah, yeah. hang on, what does this mean? Yeah, you know, it's not as bad as like Mage Wars, for example, where nothing is explained and you have to <laughs> search through a whole fucking encyclopedia. But I know it's called Small World, but literally just make it a tiny bit bigger and just have it written on the cards <laughs> and on the tokens. So for me, you know, whenever something new was happening that just gummed up the flow of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, the turn mechanic itself, really, really simple. Do this, conquer some thingies, whatever. But we were stopping and starting every time something new came up. And I don't think... I mean, I guess you're right, yeah. A couple of plays and you'd know some of the basics. Mm. But it would take me a good few to never have to look at the... Oh, yeah. sure. To never have to stop yeah. and look at the stuff. Mm. So that just, like, slowed down the flow for me. But yeah, that gives it a frag of 15.2. So there we Strong. go. Pat, was it a win or not? It was a win. Me, was it a win or not? Yes. Phil, was it a win or not? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. So that makes it 110.41. Wait. 
Yes, the maths does work. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Good. is that more than episodes? No, there you go, 151. Boom. Excellent. Well, I've been Phil. I've been Pat. I've been Mariel. And remember, non relinquum, I almost forgot what I was saying, in Arca of Percula. You can find us on Facebook at Organised Fun Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Fun Organised. Thanks for listening. Bye, Files. Bye. Rich little mushrooms. Yeah. Patty money bag. Now's the time when we stop. Good night.